Welcome, Welcome to, to Bibles and Bonnets. Hey, I'm your host, Praise. And I'm your co-host, Cheyenne. Get comfy, grab a Bible, and most of all, don't forget your bonnet for this evening's episode. Uh, just a reminder, we're reading John chapter 5 today. Okay. Um, Father God, we just want to thank you for this week. Um, just thank you for this gathering that we have and joining together to learn more about you. And um, I pray that you bless us in the week coming forward. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you don't want to read, just write it in the chat. And from there on, when I um, see it, I'll just take note of it and call on people who want to read. But I'll start off with the first verse from one to eight. If, is everyone there before I go? Okay, we got three thumbs up. Okay, so, all right, I'm reading from the New Kings James Version. I'll just get started. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bathsheba, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take your bed and walk. So for the analysis I wrote, Jesus went to one of the Jewish festivals. There were three Jewish feasts, which were Feast of Obligation, which was the Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Every adult male Jew who lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was legally bound to attend them. In John, he shows us Jesus attending the great feast, for Jesus did not disregard the obligations of Jewish worship. You don't hear the mention of Jesus' disciples, which means that he was most likely alone. Many sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, laid by the Bathsheba pool in hopes that they would be healed by the water the angels stirred up at a certain time. As you can see, a great multitude believed in this hope of healing by the water. The man who was disabled for 38 years was frequently at the pool in hopes of getting healed, but was unable to because of his condition. Jesus saw this man and already knew about his condition and asked if he wanted to be made well. He didn't lecture him about waiting for the water or question him. He simply asked if he wanted to be made well. The sick man, not knowing he was talking to the Messiah, explained his situation. Again, he was unable to move himself into the well, yet he still laid by the well and hoped to be healed one day. Christ makes us self-sufficient. We don't need to rely on man for anything, like how the man said he needed others to bring him into the water since he was disabled and couldn't move himself that much. Do you, does anyone have any um, question, comments, or concerns before we move on? Or like thumbs up if you ready to continue or if you have anything you want to understand more before we continue it okay thumbs up from all right Cheyenne if you please would you read love your background Jerry by the way <laughs> back on the airplane yes as we should where are we going today um so Cheyenne read chat verses 9 to 15 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jesus said to him, I'm reading the King James. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was, uh, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude, had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. So there was a lot of people there, a crowd. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Uh, The man departed and told the Jew that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, so when Jesus commanded him to rise, take his bed and walk, the man was healed instantly because of his faith. Now, this was done on the Sabbath day. As we know, the Jews followed the Sabbath day religiously. It was the holy day derived from the law they followed. The Jewish leaders tailored the Sabbath for man by adding many rules and regulations to it. No labor is to be done on this day. Even something as small as taking medicine for your headache would be considered wrong because the medicine would technically working inside you. The Jews ignored the miracle of the man being healed and instead reminded him that it was unlawful for him to carry his bed on the Sabbath. And carrying a bed was a violation of the rabbi's interpretation of the commandment against doing work or business on the Sabbath. Now, was he breaking God's law? No, but it was breaking the human interpretation of God's law, which angered the Jewish leaders. They didn't want to know who healed him. They wanted to know who told him to take up his bed and walk, basically who told him to break the law. As we know, the man did not know who Jesus was and was unable to tell him that information at the moment. When Jesus found him again, he warns him to sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon him. This was not to say that he would be disabled again if he does wrong after being cured. This is to say that if he uses his new freedom to indulge in his fleshly desires and sin, the bigger punishment would be to perish in hell, for the wages of sin is death. The man still reported to the Jewish leaders that Jesus made him well once he found his identity. Okay, so verse 16 to 18, I'll say jury, if you will. And you can say which version you're reading as well. I'm reading the King James Version. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So a little synopsis, basically, um, the Jews wanted to persecute Jesus and basically wanted to kill him because he done these things on the Sabbath. He healed a man who was disabled with a disability. And Jesus basically told them his father's working and so he's working. And then the Jews was just wanted to kill him even more because <laughs> to them, whenever Jesus talks about him being the son of God, which he is, they say blasphemy, oh my gosh, false prophet, oh no, oh. And they just can't handle Jesus being the Messiah. Even the thought of it makes them want to be mad. So when Jesus said that he um, said that the God, that God was his father, they was just like, oh, you're trying to make yourself equal with God. Basically, they thought that it was wrong of him to do that. So the Jews wanted Jesus dead because of what he did on the Sabbath, a form of labor. 
Jesus simply said that his father, who is God, has been working, and now he has been working. God never stops working. Neither will Jesus the Son, who is in unity with the Father, and the Sabbath day is not exempt from God's work. The Jewish leaders wanted to kill him because he violated their human interpretation of the Sabbath and said he was equal with God. They did not believe that he was the Messiah, nor considered him the Son of God. Sabbath was made to give man rest, but it was, it was man who twisted it. So there was one time when I was on TikTok and there was this guy, the Seven Day Adventist account that was just upcoming and starting. And one of the videos I saw on my For You page, he was basically saying, oh, if you, when the revelations and all this, when God comes back and then you didn't celebrate God on Saturday, you're not going to heaven because the Sabbath day is the holy day. And then I was just like, so what I did was first I quoted how the Sabbath was made for man, not man of the Sabbath. I think I said that one, but that's basically the synopsis of the quote. Basically how the Sabbath was made to give man rest about how like man twisted it. And the God was like, you cannot choose what day to follow Christ. You cannot choose any day to follow Christ. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Where do you get this I was like, where do you though? get this literal information from? And then I had a whole discussion with him. I had to tell my dad about it as well. Because one of the things was, you can celebrate Jesus any day. If you want to celebrate God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you choose Sunday as your day to worship him, then I, I can't judge you for that. Okay, you're not supposed to be worship, you're not supposed to be doing what I um what I'm doing. We're if we're doing two different things, as long as it's unified and it's giving glory to God, then that's then that's good. But it's different when you tell somebody they're supposed to be doing specifically this thing. Okay, that's when the disconnect comes because it's different if he's like, okay, I choose Saturday. That's the day I have time out the week. I'm busy week. I choose Saturday. I want to worship God on this day. And, but it's different when it's like, oh, if you don't celebrate God on this, when you um, choose to make a whole doctrine about it and say how Saturday is the literal holy day and you have to celebrate God on this day, then it's just like, what are you doing? You know, that's, you're not, that's not true at all. Because in the Bible, nowhere in the new covenant, nowhere in the new covenant does Paul, the 12 disciples or Jesus himself says to uphold the Sabbath. And you would think that Paul, who was a Pharisee, before he converted to following Christ and doing God's will, you, who knew the importance of the Sabbath because he was a Pharisee. And that's one of the things that the Pharisees considered holy. Why would Paul, who've written majority of the New Testament and talked about all of God's teachings in detail, not talk about the Sabbath at all? Now, don't you think that God would have used him? It's like, oh, Paul, I, Paul Jesus can use anybody. Don't you think he would have said, oh, Paul is a Pharisee. I want to uphold the Sabbath. So let me use Paul to explain the importance of the Sabbath since he used to be a Pharisee. No, you can't find nowhere in the Bible. Now, granted, in the Bible, there are times when they mention the word Sabbath, but that's not to be confused with, oh, see, see, he's telling us to do, he's telling us to do this, he's telling us to do, we have to follow the Sabbath. No, because even in Acts, when Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath, they didn't go there to worship with the Jewish leaders. They went there to preach about Jesus being the Messiah and proclaiming the gospel. So I feel like when it comes to that, people mainly use the Old Testament, which is what they're not supposed to do because we're in the new covenant. And Jesus, like I said, he came to fulfill the law, not to do away with the law. So by him doing the whole law, you know, he's a sinless man. He ushered us into the new covenant. So, yeah, and he was just basically saying, 
oh, keep watching this video, please watch this video, please watch this video, and it'll show you what I'm talking about. And I was like, why do I have to watch a video when I get all my information from the Bible? That makes no sense to me. It literally says in the Bible that you find true rest through Jesus. And if the Sabbath was made for rest and you find ultimate rest through Jesus, just continuously seek Jesus and continue doing that. You don't have to do this whole Sabbath day and stuff because technically if you're going to follow the old commandments and the old covenant, you might as well follow all of them because even, right. in, Deut yeah, and choose. even in Deuteronomy, it says curses the man who doesn't follow every um, commandment. This is way more than 10 they, that they had to upkeep. But basically, yeah, that's what the guy was saying on TikTok. It was actually a lot, like it was very lengthy. It got to the point where he followed me on TikTok just to comment on my scriptures of the week about how important the Sabbath day is and how oh. it's so important and you need to repent. And then I was just like, as Paul also talks about whether you spend time with God every day compared to someone who spends time with God one day a week, don't judge them. Like, it doesn't make you any better if you if I do spend time with God Monday through Friday and you just do it Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And none of us has been each other. It's just you seeking God and spending time with him. That's the right. main important part. Also, another thing is when it when it also comes to seven-day Adventists, one thing I did I had to do um research on it because I was talking to my ex's mom. And one thing I noticed was that. The reason why they chose Saturday to worship God on and make it the Sabbath day is because they needed a day of the week. They basically needed a day of the week because they was moving apart from a different religion that celebrated God. So they was like, oh, okay, well, if you need to, if you're going to celebrate God on a different day, you need to choose your day and you choose your day. So then they were like, oh, well, in the Bible, it says that God rested on the seventh day. And since the day of the seventh day of the week in this time is Saturday, we can just choose Saturday to worship God. It literally had nothing to do with Saturday being the holy day. They just chose Saturday because it was the seventh day of the week. And that's how seven-day Adventism eventually started. That's how is that God, the whole premise of their That's the whole premise. One of the premises is that Saturday is the holy day, the seventh day. Is that why they call them seven-day Adventists? Seven-day Baptists it started out as, but yeah, because they worship God on the seventh day and follow kind of the old covenant laws while trying see, to be in a new covenant yeah see that's the thing is because i've never really heard of seven day ventus until i heard the story about your um your ex's mom and i was like i didn't even realize that that was a whole thing yeah there's millions of them really but to continue basically what we have here with the jewish leaders is that they twisted the Sabbath in their own way. They added more rules, more regulations to it, to the point that if you're if you're hurt, you can't use medicine on your cut because that's a form of labor because the medicine will be working inside of you. Which God never God never said all of that. They're the ones who added their own interpretation to it. And to them, God broke their human interpretation of the law because he healed the man on the Sabbath and told him to pick up his mat and walk. So from verse 19. To 23 i will choose i'll choose jury she just read girl oh she did janae. i'm sorry i forgot janae i don't know why i said her <laughs> janae okay okay so i have to read from the bible and it is the king james version and i say i have to read from the bible i mean the actual book okay um 
Then answered Jesus and said unto him, unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he, he, what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all the things that himself doeth, and he will shew him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quicken, quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Okay. I'll just reread that part specifically because there's a part that's said in the New King James Version, the way they translate it. Um, then Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has, commit, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So basically the son is in unity with the father in love. Jesus explains to the religious leaders his relationship with God the father. Jesus does nothing independently. He follows God's will and fully submits himself to God's will. Jesus' work is a reflection of God's work. Jesus also tells the religious leaders that they will see even greater works that would make them marvel, greater than him even healing the disabled man. To summarize, the Father can do what the Father can do, the Son can also do. It shows the authority that God has given Jesus above all. You must honor the Son as you honor the Father. Jesus is an extension of God in the flesh. If you do not honor the son, you do not honor the father. Um, even the Pharisees knew that he made himself equal to God. And even in Philippians chapter two, verses five to eight, it even talks about how he was 100% God and 100% man. And none of those parts conflict with each other. And in his earthly ministry, he depended on God. Does everyone, does anyone have anything to say before I continue? Anything to clear up on? Thumbs up, we're all good. Okay, I'm gonna see. Okay. So I'll read 24 to 30. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come to, into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so, has, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and, he, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the, res to the resurrection of, the con of condemnation. Oh, sorry. I can... I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So what does this mean? Whoever hears the word of God and believes in him who sent the Son, Jesus, 
shall have everlasting life and not be judged for their sins because they will be forgiven. Jesus is the path to everlasting life as stated in John chapter three, verse 16. There will come a day when those will hear his voice from the grave and be raised again and live with Christ. Jesus has life in himself as does the father. As I mentioned before, the son can do what the father can do. He has the authority to do so from God the father. As Jesus states, he can do nothing himself. His powers derive from God. Jesus was not on earth doing his own will, but the will of the father who sent him. From everyone, everyone cool, calm, collective. Okay. So I'll also read from verse 31 to 39. You want me to read? You sure? Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a break. 31 to 39? Mm -hmm. Okay. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. If you have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth, yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and the sh and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For, for the works with the Father, uh, which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me, and that that the Father has sent me, and the Father Himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form, but you do not have His word abiding in you, because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think, for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Okay, so what Jesus basically did in a sentence, he called them out. <laughs> so hmm. one person being a witness to themselves is not enough proof. There must be at least two witnesses. Even in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse six, this is in the Old Testament when it was in the Old Covenant. It says, on evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, he that is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. It also says in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, a single witness shall not prevail against man for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be sustained. So Jesus has way more than one witness, which is the disciples, that's like 12. John the Baptist, Paul, the people he healed, etc. And he brings up John the Baptist as an example of a witness who bore witness to the truth. And the religious leaders knew of John the Baptist and knew what he preached. The works that Jesus did in regards to healing the sick is another form of witness. The father, God has testified of Jesus Christ proclaiming him as the son of God through the Old Testament prophecies and at the baptism of Jesus. The Jewish leaders have neither heard his voice or seen his form. Had they believed and followed his word, they would believe in the son, but they do not abide in his word. As we know with the Sabbath, they use the word to benefit themselves. And if they truly believed in the word and searched through scripture, they would have seen the prophets talking about the arrival of the Messiah. So the Pharisees are, take pride in the fact that they search through scripture and follow the law to the T. You know, they added their own rules and regulations and basically they're studying and research that it takes to even be a Pharisee. 
But one thing I like that Jesus said is that had you been searching the scriptures and truly believing in it, you would um, know of me. You would even um, be able to testify for me through the Old Testament prophecies that we're talking about. Because the Pharisees believed that through the word itself that they would have eternal life, and there was more to that. You have to obviously seek Jesus and come to Jesus instead of just being in the word. And he knew that, um, hold on, let me go back to what he said. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him, you do not believe. So Jesus obviously knows their thoughts in their hearts and he knows like, okay, obviously the word is not in you because if the word was in you, you would believe in me. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing about the witnesses, I wanted to go more on topic. So let's say I, tonight I go to sleep my headache disappears and I have a dream one day that tells me, oh, okay, God, let's say I have a dream, let's see. Let's say I have a dream about a golden calf and the golden calf is on this altar and everyone's worshiping the calf. And I'm just like, oh, wow, is this one? So like, I feel like it's God put, God put it in my heart, quote unquote, to worship this calf, right? And let's say I just go about just talking about it like, oh, I witnessed it. I, they're supposed to worship the calf. I, I did, I seen it in my dream. That's just me saying it. That's literally just me going around telling people what I've seen. So that, and, and talking in their terms, that's not enough proof. So it's more or less, let's say that I did something and then I had Cheyenne as the witness and then Jalen's a witness, cousin Kim's the witness. That's a whole different thing because now more than one person can testify to what happened or what I did. With Jesus, he had obviously more than one witness. All the people he healed, the people who, who saw him heal them, the, his disciples who were who was constantly with him, even John the Baptist who preached before he came, even those who knew of him before he came. Paul himself, Paul literally went blind for a few for a few days, not really a long time, but for a few days. And the men on the road with them witnessed the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, and they witnessed the whole thing. It wasn't just like he just randomly became blind and no one was there to see it. And he even <laughs> sent somebody, Jesus, God, God even sent somebody to Paul to tend to him. So there's always witnesses when it comes to Jesus Christ. Oh. But yeah, so there was always witnesses. It's not like Jesus just walking around saying, I'm the Messiah. And no one can testify to that. Like how some of these, not some, how these false doctrines are started, majority of them is literally just one witness. It's just this one witness and they use it to teach to other people what they saw because of how they felt. And um, what's an example? I'm going to have to just use them again. Like the Seventh Day Adventists, right? The woman, Ellen White, she literally had a dream. This is what happened. She had a dream. And on the, she had a dream of the stone commandment, like the commandments was on a stone and highlighted was the Sabbath day commandment basically. And she was a seven day Adventist for a few months now. And after the dream, she was like, oh my gosh, I know I'm doing the right thing because I had this dream that God highlighted the Sabbath day thing. And that's what we're following. So obviously this is the right thing. And she used that dream to teach many people about the importance of the Sabbath, which is why people call her a false prophet, which she is. And there was even a guy who was who wrote about the Seven Day Adventist in depth. I forgot his name, but he even said in his biography, he was like he didn't believe that she was even a prophet. 
he didn't believe it at all. He didn't take her, he didn't believe in his dream in her dream like that, but he just went along with it eventually because he questioned her about something and she got it wrong, but he just, he let it go. So when you have stuff like that, it's really hard to follow. It's like when you ask somebody about the origins of their false doctrines, especially when it's human, it, what can you really say to that? What can you attest to that? You can't really do much with the information they give you because even so, they, it's like stumbling block. They'll just give you the same turn. They'll give you the, either the same scripture to go off of or they'll keep talking in circles. Um, Islam is another example. Muhammad went to the cave. Yeah, he went to the cave. Had a dream and said the angel came to him and, you know, and he came out with the Quran. Right? Nobody else. Exactly. So, um, uh, verse 40 to 47. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just reading again. I just feel like reading today. Um, verse 40 to 47. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think I shall accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed in Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So as Jesus said, they are willing to search the scriptures and believe that they have eternal life through the rules, through that and the rules and regulations they added to uphold their position on the word. But they are unwilling to come to Jesus and repent for them to have everlasting life. They wanted approval from man, not from God. Jesus knows everything, especially our thoughts and hearts, and he knew that the Jewish leaders did not have the love of God inside them. They were corrupted. Jesus came in the Father's name, no one else's, and they still didn't accept him. But if another comes in his own name, a false Christ, they will accept him. The world rejects Christ, but accepts their own. Again, the Jewish leaders sought approval from man, more than approval from God. The law came around in Moses' time, when God gave the Israelites rules and regulations to follow. This is the law that the Jewish leaders follow and added their own twist to it. Yet Moses received his laws from God, who is the father of the son of Christ. If they believed in Moses, they would believe in Jesus, whom Moses wrote about. If they did not believe in his writings, how can they believe in Jesus's word? Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. So that is the ending of chapter five. Um, if I'm opening the floor up, if you guys have anything you want to talk more about, have any questions, have any comments about what we read, because I know that is a lot of information, but I feel like after a while, while we continue to go into different books and continue reading, we're going to realize how repetitive Jesus' teachings are. Yes, Janae, I see your hand. <laughs> Sorry, I look a little ratchet. Um, I was wondering, and please, 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 please do not laugh at me or hold this until I have children, okay? <laughs> Who is this Moses? Moses is one of the- <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jalen! Moses is in the Old Testament. Basically. Princess laughing. Yeah. She said, please do not laugh. No, that's fine. Not everyone read. The, not everyone read the Old Testament. Moses is a part of the Old Testament. He's this guy. You ever heard of the guy who parted the Red Sea? No. Okay, so basically, a synopsis. Moses was um, a Hebrew. Was he a Hebrew? He was a Hebrew. He was a prophet God used 
to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And what he did with Moses was Moses used what, what happened? Sorry, she can watch the movie. What's the movie called? No, don't watch that movie. It's very inaccurate. I would say if you're trying to learn about Moses, don't watch well, the Prince of Egypt. Okay, That's very inaccurate. The worst thing you want to do is watch a movie and you don't know the story you behind the it. Story. Yeah, of course. Moses I mean, actually is five books and it's very long. It actually goes into Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus. It starts with Exodus. And it keeps, it's and very, it's very lengthy of how he delivered the Israelites from Egypt, from the Pharaoh's hand and took them to the promised land, basically. But it was a long journey. They didn't just, oh, look, we left Egypt. Look, here we are, promised land. And God used Moses, for, he did a lot with Moses. Moses was one of the most humble prophets that the Bible talks about. He, until he, of course, struck the rock twice out of anger. But even so, it, he did, he followed God extensively. He followed him. That's where the commandment started as well. It started with Moses. That, yeah, that's what I know. But yeah. I, was so, I, was, I was still confused. I, like, I really I don't know. Because Moses is a very lengthy thing. He was basically a prophet God used to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt at 80 years old. He was 80 years old when this happened, okay? Mind you, when he was a baby, he wasn't raised with his mother because they had this thing where the Pharaoh tried to kill the... Um, the firstborns because the population was growing too much and he was scared of like overthrown and being overthrown Males and stuff. Only. Males only. So what the mother, what Moses' mother did was she put him in a basket in a river and the basket that he was in ended up going to the Pharaoh's, wow. what Pharaoh's wife, I believe. Yeah, Pharaoh's wife. And when she found the baby, his little sister who was following along the basket to make sure she was okay, she was like, oh, I know someone who could take care of the baby. I know someone who could take care of the baby. That's when Moses' mother came in. So Moses was raised by the Pharaoh and his wife. And but the mother nursed him and cared. Yeah, but his mother, his real mother nursed him and cared for him. So then when Moses grew up first, when he was like a young, I would say, I don't want to say young, I would say... 20, 20 through 40, I need to read the ages, but around 20 to 40, that's when he figured out like the wrong that was being done to the Israelites. And then he ended up killing a Pharaoh's guard because he saw the mistreatment that was going on. But when he killed the Pharaoh's guard, the one thing I don't like, and the Prince of Egypt, they made it seem like Moses's brother was like, oh brother, please don't leave, please don't. What really happened was Moses' brother wanted to kill him. Mm. He dead. Like they wanted to kill him for doing that. Moses ended up running away, and it's a lot. I'm, I'm just going to end up going into this whole story. But 40 years <laughs> later that. after that, 40 years later after that, um, oh, read Exodus. Read Exodus, but don't just read Exodus by something. Just keep going, because it keeps going. Even reading Exodus is not a lot of information. Um, it very, and it jumps forever. right into the story. Don't worry about it. jumps right into the story. <laughs> he did a lot. So when the Pharisees, so why the... So the reason why it's called the law of Moses is because in his time, that's when God gave him the commandments for the people to follow in the wilderness and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's what the Pharisees used to follow the law and consider them so religious. But then they started adding their own rules and regulations, twisting it up, like how the Sabbath day, no form of labor. What? Like, uh, you tell me I can't take medicine if I have a headache because it's a form of labor? God never said, oh, if you're in pain or if you're hurting, don't help yourself. You know how many people Jesus said on the Sabbath day? The, God's work does not stop for the Sabbath day. You can rest. Yeah, like if you're resting, cool. 
but it was really made for rest. Not stopping every common sense thing because of the laboring thing. They got too specific with it. That's how I feel when people read the Bible. So that's who Moses is. I would recommend to read Exodus or listen to it. I don't know if you're a reader or a listener. And yeah, hope that answers it. Who's Moses? Do you have any specific questions? Yeah, do you have any specific questions more about it? Like, it, I, it does help a lot that you explained it, but it's still kind of like, I don't, I like, I'm, I, I just don't know who this Moses man is, except which, like the law of Moses, and that's it. Which is okay. I would recommend just reading Exodus then and to really oh. get to know him because actually he very important to um, yeah, learn about. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I learned about him growing up is because when I, my dad would read me the story of Moses, but he never finished it. And I was always bothered by the fact that he never finished the story because I saw Prince of Egypt too. And I was like, I love Moses. Moses is my favorite. I didn't, I realize, him. I didn't realize that he didn't make it to the prompt. Like the prompt. He didn't make it, but overall being, going, spending his eternal life with Jesus, I know he did that because it's not like he didn't repent for that. I'm pretty sure we, we all make mistakes. Like when Peter said, no, Lord, I will not, I won't disown you, I won't. I won't do this. I'll die for you, Peter. No, you won't. I'll die for you. And then what happened before the rooster crowed three times? I don't know him. Oh, he could be walking down the street. I don't know him. No, that is. That's exactly what happened. So mm. that's who Moses is. Exodus is like the third book, is it? Is it the second? It's the second. I believe it's the. It should be the third book. Or it's the second. The second, book. second book. There you go. So would you say that Moses? You said he's a prophet. Mm-hmm, that God used to deliver the people. Is he like the first prophet or no. just a prophet? He's a prophet. The prophet? A. A prophet? There's more than one prophet. Prophets in the Old Testament. There's way more than one. So I don't want to say the. He's a prophet. One of the prophets God used. Mm. Like before that, even before that with Genesis, it sets the story up for Moses because Joseph... The whole thing with the Pharaoh and the stuff he did to the Israelites was after Joseph. I don't know if you know who Joseph is, but it was after Joseph's time and Noah's time. So when Joseph was, he was in Egypt, but they wasn't doing all that. But after like he died and stuff, the new Pharaoh came in and he just tried to twist everything up. It was just a lot. And then they was crying out to God consistently like, Lord, please save us, please save us. And that started the whole thing. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. welcome. Does anyone have any other questions, whether it's about books of the Bible or what we just read? Closer to God, honestly. Um, I had to make room, had to let go of some things, and then God was able to come into my life. And yeah, I've just been getting closer to him. That's good. Oh, yes. That's good, Jory. Um, Janae? She was clapping. I I thought it was a hand raise. Okay. No, I think that we we I like I I still need to continue to do that. I feel like we could, we could always you know get better with with that. And um, but yeah, that's good. Um, like me, I obviously my dad he like taught us a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of stuff to remember. And sometimes you know I forget things, and you know it helps to revisit that and to like connect all the dots when you're more mature. Cause now your brain is like, Oh, 
I can understand that, you know? Okay, we can pray out. Yeah, then if no one has anything else to say, we can just pray out and stuff. Um, so yeah, everyone bow your heads. Um, Father God, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to get together again this week and discuss more in depth about your about your teachings. I pray that you be with us as this week progresses and help us in the areas that we struggle with. I pray to please forgive us for our sins and when I know into a more gather that your presence is here. I just pray that you put on everyone's hearts to continue speaking you and to be able to um, marinate in these teachings that are being taught. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This concludes this week's episode of Bibles and Bonnets. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe to us on our Spotify and Apple podcast. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Later, guys.